that oftentimes we neglect the most important things for lesser things that seem important in the moment, but they're really not. Had I saved my keys but lost my daughter, see where I'm going with this? And for so many of us, me included, life is about learning how to make sure we do the most important things. If you're like most people, your life is a jumble of events rushing at you at seemingly increasing speed. Where's the time gone? You ask yourself way too often. Then you promise yourself that you're going to slow things down, put aside the trivial things, and focus on what you think is important in your life. Pastor Daniel is going to talk about setting your priorities too, but he's going to speak about making God number one in your life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Psalms chapter 63 as he begins his message, We Must. Oftentimes in a really large church, the church can be about the senior pastor. And here at Crossroads, this church is about Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. And so thank you for your prayers. You know, I explained it to people this way, and I'm so grateful our board has really encouraged me to take the breaks because then oftentimes if an athlete is playing professional sports, when you're in season, you get nicked up, you get rolled ankles, you have all these things going on, but the game's going on, so you're still playing. You just keep yourself going, but sometimes you need a little off-season to catch your breath and to work some things out. And so first, I need to take a look at my own soul, make sure that I'm not just in the ministry, but I'm really walking with Jesus. And sometimes in the midst of the journey of it all, I have to work things out in my heart that when things are rolling, I don't have a chance to really work it out. I just like kind of figure it out and keep moving. But I want to take a chance to just to really make sure that my heart is right before the Lord and that I'm doing exactly what I'm called to be doing. And And also, it gives me a chance to pray for, okay, what is God up to? What is he doing? What is he asking us to move into? And to be able to do that without the normal rhythms of not only Sunday by Sunday and midweek by midweek, but also all week long, there's meetings that I'm leading and all these things. And so thank you for your prayers. And it is so good to be back. Lynn and I and the kids had a great time. Don't get me wrong, but we are church people. We love you all and the body of Christ. We love what God is doing here. And I just really missed you all so much. So it's good to see you. And one of the things that is so cool as this series has been progressing is we've really just been looking at, Lord, who are you and what are you telling us? And I had a scary experience on our break. Just me, Lynn, and our youngest, Annabelle, who's nine years old, we had gone to a park, and Annabelle, is, she's my little adventurer. It's so fun. And so she was in the creek, and, it was, and there was some like little rapids, not big rapids, like not rapids that you see on like extreme sports. But she was out there, and she's in the rapids, and she's just goofing off. And I'm watching her, and I'm thinking, man, she's so cute, you know? And I love the fact that she wants to be in the rapids. But then there's that part of me as a dad that I start like planning for all the things that could go wrong. Am I the only one who does that? 
So I'm just like, man, all of a sudden she gets swept up in these rapids and da da da. And then I'm thinking, well, no, you're just you're missing the moment. You're overthinking this, Daniel. She's fine. And then at one point I look and I have like my phone and my keys and my wallet in my pocket, and I'm like, I should probably just take these out and put them on the rock in case I need to go save her. And then my next thought is, you know what? She's fine. It's not crazy, you know, level one rapids. It's like level point oh 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 one rapids. But then all of a sudden, Annabelle slips, and she looks over and she says, help, and her eyes get really big. And right away, I'm like, oh no. And so immediately, I like jump in. Now, I'm not wearing like creek shoes or anything. I just like jump in. I'm like, I'm breaking my ankles. And the only thing that matters is to get to Annabelle. Except when I almost get there, I realize that if this goes bad, if I lose my keys and if I lose my phone, we can't call an ambulance. I'm like straight up planning for all the worse. I take a split second to think of this, and I just kind of grab my pocket, and I just went, and I grabbed her, and I got her out of there. But I thought about after this was all over, and she gave me a big old hug. She's like, Dad, you saved my life. And I'm like, I've been saving your life your whole life, sister. <laughs> and we weren't in peril, and it wasn't that bad. But what was funny for after it, I had that moment of like, why did I care so much about my keys and my phone? And it wasn't because like, like, I love my car, and it wasn't because I love my... It was just like, in my brain, I'm like, if I lose my keys, we're stuck in this park, and we have to walk home. And if I lose my phone, and we actually need to call an ambulance, I don't have a phone to call. So I go through all this. But then I realized that oftentimes, we neglect the most important things for lesser things that seem important in the moment, but they're really not. Had I saved my keys, but lost my daughter... See where I'm going with this? And for so many of us, me included. Life is about learning how to make sure we do the most important things. And the other things that happen, they're not inconsequential or unnecessary, but what they are, they need to make sure that they become in the order of the priorities of our lives and our hearts. We need to put them in the right place. And I'm pretty sure for all of us, if we were to reevaluate some of our priorities right now, we got some stuff out of whack because we're human. And at the core of the message of who Jesus is and what he's doing, Jesus is always asking us to prioritize the most important things in the right way. And every single day, week in and week out, in the different seasons of life, we all find our priorities getting kind of a little shifty. And part of the work of God's spirit and renewal in our hearts is to help us reprioritize the things that matter the most. And it's one of the things that I love so much about who Jesus is as I walk with him. I know you're seeing this in your own life, is that when our priorities are wrong, Jesus isn't mad at us. Jesus simply invites us to reestablish the right priorities. Jesus knows that we get things backwards, upside down, for all sorts of reasons. And he simply says, just come. Let's reprioritize things. And in the psalm that I want to take today as we close out our on-demand series, we really see five things that we need to make sure we prioritize. So everyone, open up your Bibles to Psalm 63 as we study this beautiful psalm together. 
brought your Bible with you to church, I'm so proud. I want to encourage you. If Crosses is your church, bring your Bible to church. Why? Because we teach the Bible here. We want you to be able to read along. We want you to get used to where things are in your Bible, right? But if you didn't, no worries. We got your back here. There's Bibles on the seats in front of you. If you like good old-fashioned books, you know, paper and binding and glue. But if you're like a super contemporary person, like, man, I don't read a book. I read on my phone. That's cool too. If your phone has got some intelligence, it's got a Bible on it. Go to your favorite Bible app browser window, type in Psalm 63, and we're going to be able to study it together. And if you're flipping around the Bible, if you're new to the Bible, I know sometimes open up in a new book can be a little daunting. Psalms is pretty easy to find because it's the largest book in your Bible. There's 150 of the Psalms there. It's about little left of center of the Bible. And I don't mean that politically or anything. You say left of center, people lose their minds. But we shouldn't. It's just, it's just a little bit off the center in the Bible there. Psalm 63. Now, I know some of you are like, hold on a second. He said that there's five things that we must do. This is going to be the longest sermon in history. But I'm going to be on time, so. <laughs> I heard that, Travis. <laughs> All right, picking up. I want to read the little postscript that it has in here, too, before verse 1, where it says, the Psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judas. It gives us the setting. And then it says in verse 1, O God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. So the first thing that we must do is you and I, we must know our need. We must know our need. See, it says that David is in the wilderness. Now, there's a couple of times in the Bible that we find King David in the wilderness. But almost assuredly, because by the end of this psalm, he talks about himself as the king. This relates to 2 Samuel chapter 15, where David has fled Jerusalem, and he's living in the wilderness because there's been a rebellion that has been led by his son, Absalom. So this is towards the end of David's reign, and he's literally in the wilderness. Like, not like it's a figurative thing. It's like he's literally in the Judean wilderness. Now, if you've ever gone to the Holy Land, it's an arid climate. It's a desert climate. And so the wilderness there, it's not like here, like you go and you find yourself in the wilderness in the Mount Hood National Park area, and there's trees everywhere. It's like it is barren out there. It's dry as a bone. And David, as he's in the wilderness... Not sure if he's ever going to become king again. Not sure what's happening with the kingdom and all this stuff. He finds himself praising God, saying, God, you're my God. Early will I seek you. And then he says, my soul thirsts for you and my flesh longs for you. And that's why I say that if we're going to get life right, we must know our need for God. And I think that this is very, very important because this ability to be aware of our own need on a soul level, it actually fights the sin of self-sufficiency. Now, I want to tell you, listen, our world has never been at a time where humans feel more self-sufficient than right now. And I don't necessarily blame us because if you go all the way back, if you look at a little bit of history, 
There was a time when, especially with the scientific revolution, I'm, I'm not against science, but there was a time when, when we were learning about things, there was this belief that we're going to be able to make a map of everything, and then people say, well, because we understand everything, we won't need God. And then you have philosophers like Nietzsche coming on the heels of this, and he's saying, yeah, God is dead. Because really what he's saying is that in that way of thinking, earlier generations needed God because they didn't understand what's going on in the world. But then once we understand what's going on, we're not going to need God. So it was almost like God was a pacifier because the world was unknown. But now you fast forward this, we know a lot more than they did in biblical times. But can we be honest? How self-sufficient are we all feeling? Sure, you can have fast internet, computers in your pocket. Sure, you can watch every single TV show as often as you want to. I mean, how many of you remember a time when you only watched a TV show when it was on? If you showed up like 15 minutes late, you missed the show, it was over. It's like now you can binge watch everything all day long. You have access. Some of your TVs have a thousand channels on it. I was at my uncle's house in Tennessee and I was like flipping through and he has like one of these like TV services. I'm like, bro, how many of these channels do you actually watch? He's like, all the channels, there's really nothing on. <laughs> Started laughing. Now I'm like, there's like page down, page down. I'm like, and there's a, like in every language, it's amazing, you know? But the thing is, is that there was this belief that we are this separate autonomous self and we got this. But let's just be honest. All the most important knobs are on God's side of the wall. Our ability for our hearts to beat, the span of our lives. We have great medical advancements, but we realize that the soul is eternal. And so for all of us, we need, we must know our need for God. And what's amazing is, is David, obviously he wrote this song, but David was a warrior. David was well known for his military exploits. He defeated Goliath, I mean, the Lord did, but God used David. And if there was anybody who could have been a man like, I got this thing, I'm self-sufficient, I can handle this thing, it was David, he was the king, he had more help than any of us could ever imagine. And he's sitting here saying, God, you're my God, I'm gonna seek you early, my soul is thirsty for you. My flesh, my desires of my life longs for you. And brothers and sisters, that is such a healthy starting place for a vibrant life in Christ. It will blow your mind when you realize you will know God as much as you desire to. What I mean by that is this. God has disclosed himself to all of us in the person of Jesus. And every single one of us can fellowship with God and know God as much as we decide to pull up our seats to the table and say, God, I want to know you. God is the ultimate all-you-can-eat buffet. How many of you like those things? Yeah, I like them a little too much. Man, there was this all-you-can-eat buffet that I used to go to, and it would open up at 11. I'd be there at like 10.45. And literally, I'd get there, and then it would open. I would just kind of browse. I was that guy. I'm going to plan my strategy of attack. And then I'd be there for like four hours. Just be sitting there talking. You know, because if you eat a little too much, just drink a little coffee, and it all settles down. The caffeine does its work, and you go in again for the next round. They would throw me out of that place. They're like, you've been here for four hours. 
I'm like, it says all you can eat. It doesn't have a time limit on it. I would have like series of meetings. I'd have people just coming in like every hour. Have you eaten? No, I haven't eaten yet. Let's break bread together. Just hang out. It's so good. I bring this up and I'm having some fun with you. But the beauty is, is that you can know God as much as you want to because God wants you to know him. But you have to be willing in the midst of the busyness of life to pull up to the table. And one of the reasons we do not pull up to the table with God and say, God, will you tell me who you are and who I am and how I should live and what does this mean is because we have this false belief that we got this thing. I can do this myself. And I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of things we can do, but we can't live the abundant life by ourselves. The abundant life is a gift that comes from God for us. It says it this way in Psalm 40, verses 16 and 17. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified, but I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinks upon me, you are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. I love that. I'm poor and needy. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, the very first one, blessed are the poor and what? Spirit. When was the last time you said, God, I need you? God, I've done a lot of things in my own strength, but Lord, I want your strength. I want to know you. We need to know our need because we can't do it alone and we weren't created to. God wants to be our God. He wants us to know him and to walk with him and let him help us see ourselves in the world as it is. Now, from there, look at what happens next. In Psalm 63, I'll pick back up in verse two. It says, so I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Then I will bless you while I live and I will lift up my hands to your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. My friends, we must worship fervently. That almost seems like a paradox. We must know our need, and then we must worship fervently. See, this is the great change that happens for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus. Now, I realize here at Crossroads, not everyone here is a follower of Jesus. And if you're here exploring, trying to figure out what you believe spiritually, I want to let you know we are so happy you're here. And this is a great place to be learning and growing. But the great change that happens when you put your faith and trust in Jesus is first, you can live your life acknowledging that I need God. And then because you acknowledge your need for God, then once you are in relationship with God, then we spend our lives worshiping God, praising God. We spend our lives letting our souls rejoice in the presence of God. And David explains this so beautifully. He's saying, I looked for you in the sanctuary. I wanted to see, God, your power and your glory and your loving kindness. Now, that word loving kindness literally means God's covenant faithfulness. Because of who God is, God's faithfulness to the promises that he's made, your loving kindness is better than that. And because of your power and your glory and your loving kindness, my lips will praise you. And I'll bless you while I'm here. While I'm alive, I live to bless the Lord. I lift up my hands in your name and I praise you with my mouth. See, we need to worship fervently. Why? 
because all of us are hardwired to worship. And if you and I do not worship the true and living God, we will always find other avenues for that worship. But when you worship anything or anyone that is not the Lord, it's idolatry and our souls get shaped by what we worship. It's why so easy for us to find other things that are the passion of our lives. Like I was just talking to someone a couple months back and they're like, man, yeah, I can't remember scripture. I can't memorize scripture. But then we started talking about sports and they knew every stat. <laughs> like literally, I, I, man, I definitely can't memorize scripture. But literally, they were telling me stats from like 10 years ago. And I was just like, and I even said, I'm like, so hey, listen, just so you know, you don't have a memorization problem. You have a passion problem. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. Love your favorite sports teams. Memorize the stats. But make sure that you have that same passion for Jesus. In the absence of a heart that is passionate for God, we will develop other passions. It's why today, listen, I'll be honest with you. People are like, man, I don't have any time to read my Bible, but they know every new political conspiracy that's coming down the pipe. I'm like, oh, no, 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 you have a lot. You're reading a lot. You're just not reading the word of life. You see what I'm talking about here? And so we're going to worship no matter what. Now, I'm here to tell you, love your spouses, but don't worship them. Love your kids, but don't worship them. Love your job, but don't worship it. Love your entertainment, but don't worship it. See, when we worship Jesus, then we can enjoy all of these things for what they are. But what we end up doing is without a fervent worship of the Lord, we will take that worship and place it in other places. And that is a problem. Because then our souls get diminished by whatever is the object of its supreme affection. We're shaped by what we worship. And I love this because David is a passionate and a fervent worshiper. How do you remember the story about David when they got the Ark of the Covenant and they were bringing it into Jerusalem? Anybody know that story? Where the Ark of the Covenant is coming in and David is like dancing like, let's say it this way, he was letting his freak flag fly for Jesus. He was dancing. Now this is the king. And the Ark of the Covenant is coming in and he is just getting it on. He's like, have you ever been to a silent rave before? Anybody ever seen those? I went to one of these, it's so crazy. You go to a club and there's music on and everyone's dancing, but then they have these things now because there's noise ordinance problems. So they give everyone headphones and not everyone's listening to the same music, but everyone's got their own headphones on. And so, everyone, and so if you're there without your headphones on, it is totally nuts because everyone's got like their own like groove going on. And just, you know, everyone's got their own thing, but you can't hear what they're listening to. And in some ways, that's what David was doing. He was so excited that the Ark of the Covenant was coming into Jerusalem that he was just losing it. And then he saw his wife, King Saul's daughter. And she's like, oh, yeah, the king making a spectacle, making the family name lousy. And David was great. He's like, man, I'm going to be more undignified than that. Jesus is real. Can you imagine a more attention-grabbing event than running for your life, trying to avoid certain death? <laughs> Me neither. But that was what King David was doing when he wrote the psalm that Pastor Daniel taught from today. He shared the really vital point that God's not going to force himself on you. If you want to know God better, as David did, you 
need to do the work to know him better. The great part about that is that God invites you to know him. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more from his teaching, We Must. He'll talk about our need for a relationship with God and the ease with which we can kind of slip away from that. You'll be reminded that your relationship with God is an active one. You have to chase after God if you want to maintain your bond with Jesus. Pastor Daniel will show you the way to grow your relationship with God. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called On Demand. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.